Good afternoon. So good of you to come. <laughs> Last seminar of the day. It's really, uh, you are the stayers. We, you know about the Netherlands a little bit, maybe. Uh, skating is one of our national sports, and the stayers are the real ones. They just uh, do the long-distance stuff that really nobody else does. Um, <coughs> just a little more introduction, maybe. Um, my wife and I have four children. They're all grown-ups, all left the, ho the home. We have one grandchild now called Luke. He's going to be celebrating his second birthday next month. So really proud of him. And we're pastoring a church. If you just if you know the geography of our the, the Netherlands a little bit, our country, um, there's a couple of rivers cutting it through from west to east, or east to west if you look downstream. Uh, one of them is the Rhine River. And the first church we pastor, we planted, uh, is in Amersfoort. If you travel like halfway to the country over the Rhine River, then turn right, uh, drive a couple of minutes north, you'll end up in Amersfoort. Amersfoort is actually the city um, that is the exact geographical middle of the country. So uh, if you want to find the city, just look at the map and that's where it is. And then we also pastor church a little bit further up the river uh, called, in a city called Wageningen, which is also a university town. Um, we pastored that church because the pastor that was pastoring it fell ill and asked us to take over. So in the morning, we do the service in Amersfoort. In the afternoon, we travel to Wageningen, where we live, and do the service there. And um, <coughs> it's a very interesting life. <laughs> Lots of challenges and lessons to learn. Um, Without further ado, uh, the, this this theme. I'm I'm wondering if you, when you read the um, the announcement, barbecue hermeneutics, if some of you were afraid that I would want to barbecue hermeneutics. Um, that's not really the the temptation was there though. I I tried to look online for barbecues and you know nice illustrations and so on. I, I wonder if you've ever seen this American barbecue. It's kind of like turbo, and Jason is actually at the barbecue here, if you can, you, you can recognize him. Younger version of him, is <laughs> not gray yet. <laughs> um, uh, just just f the funny part of it. Um, <clears throat> but basically, hermeneutics, um, this is what the definition I found on Wikipedia, uh, that's kind of like normal people definition of hermeneutics, theory, theory and metho methodology of interpretation, especially the interpretation of biblical texts, wisdom, literature, and philosoph philosophical text. It's more than interpretive principles or methods we resort to when immediate comprehension fails. Rather, hermeneutics is the art of understanding and of making oneself understood. And I think that's the that's the point. I, w I I liked this title because it kind of brings me to the picture of okay, imagine yourself at the summer church barbecue or roast you you call it right. Do you, you do that here right as a church? Um, the the park or maybe behind the church a roast. Um, people gather, and here's this new. Um, person in the church, he is standing next to you barbecuing uh, the meat, and this conversation sparks off, and he comes up with this very um, interesting but also difficult question of understanding the Bible. How do you explain to this person the interpretation of the scripture that he comes up with? Um, I have found in our context that um, 
scripture and understanding scripture, especially for the younger generations, is um, becoming increasingly a challenge. Um, the, the comments they hear on reliability of scripture, on um, the way people, the culture around them interprets scripture, even looks at the Bible, um, make it difficult for them how to handle this. So this seminar basically is about seven um, maybe principles, rules, hermeneutical rules that I found are uh, easily explainable and easy to remember for normal churchgoers who did not do any theology, who are not going to read the, uh, the, the, the hard books that we sometimes read. Um, I try to sometimes. And so how are, are they going to safely man, uh, navigate their way in scripture? And how are they go safely going to use scripture in the places where they meet other people and talk about it? So that's the effort. Now, basically, hermeneutics is about maybe something like this, in my opinion. What are we seeing here? The interpreter, in this case, <laughs> sees this. I don't know if you all get it. <laughs> and so here's a hermeneutical problem. You understand? Uh, this is not what's going on in the picture. But if you, if you misread the picture, this could be the conclusion. And so that's really what we're trying to prevent. Here's another one that I like. And I mean, they're just, they're funny to us. I, I haven't actually met anyone who interpreted it like that. But if you, I mean, reading old, old Bible translations um, and misreading can easily lead to really interesting, um, funny conclusions. So um, I'm going to just try and take you through the seven uh, principles that I found were, are helpful that I can communicate to my uh, congregation that they, at least part of them, they, they usually remember and begin to apply. And then what I would like to do at the end after number seven is I would like to give you an hermeneutical exercise, um, giving you a chance to practice the seven in which um, I'm going to, you know, we're going to not play out a scenario, but uh, I'm going to give you a scripture and just imagine one of your new church uh, visitors comes up to you and asks you, okay, how about this? And then I'm going to ask you to discuss in pairs, um, how would you apply these? And how would you apply these with him or her? So that they begin to understand how do, how do you handle this, these scriptures? So here, here we go. The first one, um, <clears throat> I, I tried to focus here first. The first principle has everything to do with scripture itself. And I found that it's very helpful to um, <clears throat> kind of make people aware of scripture. Um, in, in Dutch, it's easier than in English. Actually, the word W-O-R-D um, is uh, the, the W-O-O-R-D is scripture in Dutch. So we have two words. We have W-O-O-R-D with a small W and a capital W. And the capital W is this one. The word, <laughs> scripture, um, in our translation, uh, was with God and the word was God. In other words, there's two layers to it. There's a book called scripture and there's a person who was God and who was with God in the beginning. 
and uh, John goes on, the word became flesh and dwelled among us and we've seen his glory and the, the glory of the son, of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. And um, it, it goes on, I'm sorry, go too quickly. It goes on uh, when it describes Jesus, uh, sorry, I spelled it in a Dutch way with a Z. <laughs> Um, gives you a chance to learn some of my language as well. Um, it goes on where it, it, actually, um, it actually takes us into understanding more about who he is. Um, where Jesus actually says, I, especially the second scripture, I have not come to abolish the scriptures but to fulfill them. In other words, to be, make people aware, first of all, that uh, this scripture has everything to do, is completely tied up with a person who is the fulfillment of that scripture. Now, coming from that place, um, I, I also like this, this one to make people aware. Um, it's not just me saying that this person, the Lord Jesus, is that the fulfillment of scripture and everything is tied with him. It comes from the highest authority. Scripture itself explains uh, when this this uh, special encounter is is reported on the uh, on the top of the mountain, where um, Jesus is um, <coughs> illuminated uh, from heaven out from heaven, and um, from heaven this voice comes that says, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." Listen to him. In other words, Scripture itself tells us, okay, you need some glasses. And the first pair of glasses is Jesus first. Now, just to, to, to illustrate, I could tell you Jesus first from a very different angle as well. I, Derek Morphew, one of our very famous vineyard theologians, did a wonderful teaching recently on third quest for the historical Jesus. I don't know if you've heard it. It's about, uh, it's long and it's uh, very interesting, but I could never tell my new church member, uh, explain to them why this, this pair of lenses in approaching the scripture through Jesus is important through that type of teaching. They would never understand it. So you need somewhere and some, some way of explaining to them, okay, this is where we start. We read the Bible through Jesus. In other words, we start if you if you want to start somewhere, start with the Gospels and then read forward and read backward. That will help you begin to understand what is this all about? How does this work? It starts with Jesus. So put the lens of Jesus on. That's the first <coughs> principle I want. I, I try to share with them. Okay, um, I forgot to tell you at the beginning. If if anywhere during uh, the, this talk you have any questions, just wave at me. I will feel free to park them. If I will come to this later. Uh, but I don't expect you'll have any questions. It's just very simple stuff. <laughs> you know all this. It's just a sum up. <clears throat> and then another one that I tried to tell them, I can't really um, put much scripture to that uh, easily. But it's very important for them to also understand that the, the Bible is a book written by people like you and me. Uh, it's inspired. It's not necessarily dictated, even though some portions are. When Moses describes, uh, when in the books of Moses it's written about the Ten Commandments, it's, it's dictated 
by God himself. But many of the, the stories need that understanding of, okay, this is a person in a culture, in a, in a t time frame in history, um, who's inspired by God and, and reporting what happened. So the Gospels, um, four reports of what happened, of four different people, uh, three of them were there at, at the scene, and one collected all the stories and reported back to us from <coughs> his research. Um, and the third one that they, that's very helpful is, <clears throat> let's start with scripture when we interpret scripture. It's very easy for, uh, especially for young believers to, um, in this day and age, <coughs> Google it. And uh, if you don't understand something, jump on the internet and, and you'll find loads and loads of interpretation and opinion, et cetera, et cetera. But that can get you off track really quickly. So one of the first principles <coughs> in interpreting as well is let's first look at scripture when you want to answer scripture. So um, remember this one because the exercise at the end, this, this one could be really helpful there. Um, a fourth one would be this one. I've, I've actually literally, uh, we, we had this as a, an, a year theme last year in our church. Uh, the whole year we went through big Bible questions, first done all the principles and then took these very difficult passages and tried to apply them. <coughs> I actually ended up preaching on Genesis 1 through 3 for three months, just um, trying to show if, if you I mean, you could get stuck on the thing that you don't understand. It's in, in one of the cities where we have the church is an agricultural university, and there's a lot of science going on there. And you, you can't tell a student from that university that the earth was created in six days. If you want to pu press, push that point, you're going to lose them. But some of them tend to get stuck there and kind of tear uh, Genesis 1 through 3 out of the Bible. So what does the story in Genesis 1 to, through 3 tell you that still makes a complete uh, a valid argument for creator and creation? And so, so we try to do that from these principles, very simple, very basic, and find a complete treasure box in that story that's, that makes the whole question um, completely different about Genesis 1 through 3. Um, so... <clears throat> One of the things I, I found that was a reason for taking this theme was one of the younger girls in church, I overheard her say, I avoid reading scripture during my prayer time because I'm afraid that I will lose my faith if I do. So I asked, um, tell me, what, why? What's wrong? And she said, well, for example, the scripture that Jesus says, I've come to bring I don't know what the English translation said, but strife between uh, family members? What's the literal scripture you would? Strife? Yeah. So be f between, uh, f between parents and child children and so on. Uh, she said, um, I, I can't follow a Jesus that says that. So I, I don't want to read this uh, because I know Jesus. I know and um, I, I love him, and I want to keep following him, and if I read these types of scriptures. So, so this is not a scriptural problem. This is a hermeneutical problem. But she didn't have the tools to, to find her way with this. So one of the things that I, we, we have to explain to them is, okay, do you have the guts to live with unanswered questions 
even when it comes to scripture? And can you bear the pain of unanswered questions and do the things that you do understand? Which is a very important one, especially for young believers. Um, for, let's first see what you do understand and begin to act on that as you want to follow Jesus. And then gradually um, save up your questions and gradually you begin to see that some of them will become less uh, important and other ones will be answered. Because as you grow, your, your knowledge will grow. Um, <clears throat> so far, I, I just, just as a, a bit of an interruption, uh, you probably all know DBS, Discipleship Bible Study. For those who were here at the last uh, seminar, uh, it was mentioned as well. It's very interesting. Um, <clears throat> I... Um, uh, thinking, how can I tell? Um, one of the uh, mission task force leaders in the vineyard, Mark Fields, at one point during a, a, a mission task force leaders meeting we had, he shared how the uh, one of his assignments had been um, to go and visit other church members and look at how they do missions and how they do church development. And uh, he shared that during his research, he came into church families that actually plant thousands of churches and many of them were using this Bible study method, DBS, Discipleship Bible Study. If you want, you can check uh, in the App Store. There's even an app for Discipleship Bible Study. But it's very basic. It basically has three steps. The first column is the first, is the, the like this week. And the second column is next week. And it's always about, okay, we read a scripture. And <clears throat> what should I do? Um, what does it say about God? What does it say about me? What should I do? In, in other words, how do I obey and who do I tell? And then next week that I, whoops. Next week when I come back, uh, let's report back to each other. Who did I tell and what did they think? And um, uh, who, who did I help, etc. So you, you understand the graphic? Basically, uh, the, the scriptures always, it's a bit messed up uh, in the sense of, sense of uh, order, I, I see. Um, basically, it's always about, uh, you read a scripture, you ask the question, what does it say about God? What does it say about me? And what am I going to do? What should I do? And who am I going to tell or help? And um, that creates a dynamic of very practical uh, uh, theology, you could say, where people very quickly begin to act on what they understand and then also begin to share the gospel with the people that they know. And um, <clears throat> I think that's perfect when it comes to simple hermeneutics, Bible, barbecue hermeneutics. So it's, it's, it's not my invention. It's, um, <clears throat> it's, it's already there. Um, so let's see, where are we? Jumped back to the beginning, so just need to get there. Now, here's a um, another uh, hermeneutical key. I think um, faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. But um, we don't hear alone. It's not my unique. Um, uh, personal individualistic interpretation of the Bible that, that is usually the truth. Um, Ephesians 3, it, it very clearly explains, okay, it's together with all the saints, with all those who try to follow Jesus, that we begin to understand the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, 
and know Christ. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this term. Uh, how do you pronounce it in English? Regula fidei. In, in church practice through the centuries, there has been the practice to kind of draw up some principles of how we understand how things work. And uh, one, a, a friend of mine had a, on a blog, he was reading up on regula, regula fidei, and uh, he had this quote. He said, part of regular day is the understanding that it is highly improbable that you by yourself will possess the best reading of the history of God. It will be much more likely that the community will. So one of the things the very early church began to understand, okay, let's read scripture together. Let's try to understand it together. And as we together with the saints begin to look for what does this mean, we get a lot further. So... <clears throat> Um, the fifth key is we, un we understand better together. Don't try to figure it out all alone. Bring your question to church and let's discuss in the group. Let's sit down and uh, <clears throat> listen to the wisdom of others. Others have heard this question before, even before you. And then um, uh, this friend, again, had a very good side note, just to be sure. Scriptures carry, amongst the verses in varying uh, measure, um, much weight in the conversations through the centuries on who and what God is. They do perhaps have a veto. And this is an important side note, I think, because in the end, the Bible is right. And if you, if you read the previous quote, we understand better together, we could say we are right. Uh, our collective interpretation is the interpretation. Um, <coughs> that, let's always keep that intention. And that's also an important thing to teach a, uh, a believer, to teach each other. Uh, the scriptures are right. And our interpretation of scripture is an interpretation. And we need to keep that in open hands and let the Bible have uh, God's word. Let, let's ha let, allow that to have the, the, the last word. This is also an, a very important one. Um, <clears throat> the next new thing. Um, one of the reasons I find, ver uh, find it very important to have these keys and to have people instructed in this way is that um, increasingly I see the younger people in our churches jump on the next bandwagon. And is that the proper expression in English? To they uh, they run off with the next new thing, and uh, it's an old problem. It's, it just seems to resurface easier, uh, maybe because they're not equipped to discern enough. So that's why I think this is important. Um, Hebrews, the writer, the, the writer of Hebrews' letter was already um, talking about it. Do not uh, be led uh, away by diverse and strange teachings, and. Um, Paul to the Galatians, I'm astonished that you so quickly desert him who called you in the grace of Christ. Now turning to a different gospel. So what? how do you know that, that, that something is a different gospel? Um, I think the, a good advice is look for the fruit. Check the fruit. What, what does this lead to? If, if you interpret scripture this way, what's the end of it? And then create the loop again. Loop it back to scripture. 
if the, is the fruit according to the fruit that Scripture seems to want from us. Galatians, for example, Galatians 5, 20, 20 and 22, through 22. Um, so um, Gamaliel, the high priest, already gave that advice when this new gospel came. I mean, just imagine in that day, if you were a Pharisee, and then here comes this sect from Jesus of Nazareth, and they preach this completely new message, this interpretation of the, of the Bible that is completely different from anything you've heard so far. And uh, uh, th they preach the Messiah, the fulfillment of all the promise, in a way and about a person that you completely missed. Uh, you did not see him like that. And then Gamaliel says, wait for the fruit. Give it time. It won't go away if it's God. And um, <clears throat> I think that's one of the, uh, another key that is very helpful. Oh, sorry, going the wrong way again, am I? So the, the sixth key is observe the new stuff and check the fruit. Don't rush in. Take your time. <clears throat> and I, I think personally six, five and six are very smart to, to do together. Keep them linked together. Uh, we understand better together. And then we're almost there, full circle. <clears throat> in the meantime, stick to the main and the plane. That's rule number seven. Now, what is the main and the plane? Wimber gave a very nice description, I think, of uh, uh, not literally in answer to this question, but his description here about vineyard is uh, really keeping us as a family on the main and the plane. The question to me is not about something being vineyard, but more if what we are doing is biblical. It matters not how much we package our programs, but whether we are producing disciples that look like the Jesus of the Gospels. Do they know how to pray, how to give, how to read and obey the Word of God? Do they know how to win disciples and win and disciple the lost? Do they know how to heal the sick? Do they live holy lives and maintain healthy relationships? Our DNA is all of Jesus, not just the parts we like. And basically, it reflects the great commission commandment Jesus said, gave us in Matthew 28. Uh, go and make disciples of all men, all nations, all peoples, and teach them to fulfill the word, basically, to do the word. So in other words, rather than jumping on the next bandwagon, stick to your job, stick to the main and plane. Tell the people of what you have understood about God and about yourself and what you know to do and share that and lead them into that truth. So then you come full circle. In other words, this is the, the seven barbecue hermeneutics that I could give you that I like. And... Um, <coughs> There's not necessarily an order in these, N number one through seven. I mean, uh, I find number one should be number one when I try to lead people into it because that's really where it all starts. That's really the, the kind of like the key to the scriptures for me, um, I think, f to the scriptures in general. Um, but the rest is just as, as, as we disciple people, uh, help them to begin to understand the whole of this picture. And... Um, maybe just a little bit of background why I think we, I should be concerned about getting this uh, across. Um, I find in our culture, 
just across the pond, um, which is a very secular culture. I uh, I realize every time I I visit the UK that uh, you are far better off. Um, in the sense, I I do recognize you have this you have your struggles, but um, <coughs> church is almost dead now uh, in in our country, and um, the the. Really, if you want to disciple people, you, it's very hard to find people who can lead. Uh, there's very few. It takes a lot of time and a lot of explanation. But it's also because I found um, I tend to, to raise the bar way too high. I tend to want them to read all those books. I had a leadership training program going, basically training church leaders. Uh, that's not the type of training that is needed to lead a Bible study, to lead a home group. Uh, but they do need some some. Uh, tools to lead well, and so to get to get people able and um, smart enough to do that, uh, safe enough to do that in a way that is helpful. These types of short lists of simple principles are very key. And especially, I don't know if you saw the video of uh, the interview that John Wright did with the uh, with Carol Wimber and Bob and Penny Fulton. Uh, I, I really was impressed by the end of that where. Penny, uh, or, uh, sorry, Carol said, people need to be in place because of what is coming, and it is coming, she said. And I, I, my heart starts pounding them because I, I have been hearing the Lord say there's, he's going to do something new soon, and I think that's what she's talking about. And <clears throat> things should be in place. So even though it's not there yet, I try to think from a perspective of, of okay, how can, how can we kind of like pave the way for that? How can we create um, like the path for the, like John shared, John Wright shared, draw the line in the sand that where the water is in the sand where the water can flow. Um, so that once this, this, this wave comes in, um, uh, it's there. Uh, it's it's an easy track. I mean, I can print this on one little plastic folder uh, card and hand it over to everyone. Do this and go and have a Bible study together. And print a couple of scriptures on the back. That's what DBS does. They have a really good list of scriptures that lead you into the gospel in a very smart way. <clears throat> and, and they can start and they can begin to do it. And that's very important, I think, to realize, especially things since... Um, um, it's going to probably be much more of a lay movement in our country than we are used to in, in our situation. There's, there's not many people available, and if, if it comes, you're just not going to be able to keep up uh, if you train uh, the big way. So we need simple structures like this, I think. Any questions so far? Did I miss one that you think, why isn't that one there? <laughs> so you all agree on these seven? <laughs> Tell me. Point number two. Uh, I didn't have anything but the, the point there. So. Help me. Uh, Yes. Well, for example, um, I had young believers come to me and point me, uh, point me at the differences between the four Gospels. 
and tell me, okay, so you saying this is God's book, but it's not. God, if God is God, how can this be? And then it's very helpful for me to be able to explain to them, look, you are reading the eyewitness reports in, in three cases in the, uh, the, the research report from Luke on the things that transpired, and they, they then give their report of it in their own words from their own recollection. So if, if I tell you that every word that they, they wrote down was literally dictated from God to them, that's not helpful. Um, if I tell them it's inspired, then they begin to understand, okay, now I get it. I was inspired to write down the report of what I, what, what I was in because you should know this was mind-blowing. This was earth-shaking. And does that help? That's why that point is there. Good, great. Any other questions? Very good. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it's not really covered here and I I hesitate hesitated to put it in because I know DBS if you would apply this principle to DBS DBS would be faulty. Uh to in 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 the opinion of some i i think dbs has a, a very smart lists of scriptures that they suggest to young believers to read and they don't bother too much about the context i know they do because of the selection of the scriptures they chose scriptures that are really readable if even if you don't know the context you can't really go wrong there but it's a i think if i would put him somewhere i would say in 3 uh compare scripture to scripture. Uh, I would try to explain to young believers as well, okay, and what is what does the rest of the chapter say? Uh don't don't what if you'd not just pick it out and read it in context, but it could be in a, a good number eight. <laughs> but you can add any I mean you can make ten if you like, if that works, uh just do it. This is just my short list of that, that helps quickly. Any other remarks or questions? Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes, definitely, yeah. I, I also like, if, if, if the conversation gets there, to um, use number five to explain why there are chapters now and why there are, in my Bible, not everyone, every Bible, uh, there are chapter headings explaining things, <clears throat> but how they are not necessarily holy. And then I can bring it back to key number two as well uh, and explain, you see, how people have read this book, consumed it, and thought about it, you know. <clears throat> so it makes it helpful, yeah. Yeah, even key two, I would say, where it, uh, that usually helps me to say, okay, look, look at the, this is a human report of people that were there in it, 
and uh, thus it's different from person to person. Even look at the style of writing from the Gospels, the four Gospels, really <coughs> very interesting. Now, if you um, are okay with it, I would like to have you give it a try. Um, let me see if I go the right way here. Uh, it's interesting, my remote thing gives me a jump every now and then if I touch the side of my screen. So um, here's a nice try. At the church barbecue, uh, new church friend Michael comes up to you and asks you about 1 Corinthians 14, 33 through 35. And I wonder, who gave you that scripture? <laughs> uh, well, you know the scripture. And then his question is what to tell his wife and the very feminist sister-in-law. How would the ten keys help Michael? Now, I'm not... Uh, I would like you to try this and not play it like one of you is Michael and one of you is is me, but consider it together. Uh, how would you? How could you apply it in a way? And, and in what order uh, is, for example, context the first one or culture the first one? I find culture is very important, especially with this scripture, but not usually helpful because Michael doesn't know the first thing about biblical history and culture and context. So how do I do that? Um, I can tell you a little bit about what I would do, but that's not that would spoil the fun. So, uh, and if you like, you can also take Ephesians 5:22 and further, uh, especially the one where it says the husband is the head of the wife. That's another one Michael came up with. <clears throat> Um, so just take your pick, but uh, maybe if you could look look around and, you know, someone before you or after uh, or behind you. Um, it not, does not necessarily have to be groups of two, but um, it would be fun to sit down and consider it. Go ahead. If you haven't figured it out yet, you're probably <laughs> going to need a lot more time. <laughs> no. So let's be better together. Let's share some insights together. I just want to, as we do, as we try to compare notes now, I I I would like to set a boundary. Uh, just for the occasion, just for, for, the, for the fun of it. Um, yes, understanding the historical context of the scripture is very, very helpful. But let's say you cannot go there yet, just for the sake of exercise, okay? Um, <clears throat> so what can we do if we cannot jump to the historical context immediately? Um, what can we do with these uh, keys? Uh, without jumping on that horse. Uh, so where would you start? Who votes for number one? Where would you start? Number one, that's interesting. 
Good. Why would you start there? Let anyone, can you, can you explain to me what, what was your reasoning? Jesus challenges Paul's writing. That's interesting. So you would create the tension between Paul and Jesus there. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what I'm hearing you say as well is look at the way Jesus treated women. I, I would stick to that one personally. I wouldn't want to make scripture fight scripture. I would want to compare scripture with scripture. And this is a great comparison. Look at the way Jesus... Uh, um, treats uh, ladies, women in the Bible, and did he ever forbid them to speak at all? No. Even the Samaritan woman who was culturally very far away, and that's from Scripture, it's there. The, the, the Samaritan woman says, a Jew is not supposed to talk to a Samaritan, especially not me, uh, considering who she is. That That's also in the story. But yet Jesus speaks to her. So in other words, um, looking at key number one, you can conclude there is something going on with this scripture. It's not necessarily a general biblical rule that women are not supposed to talk. Look at Jesus. He talks to them all the, all the time. Any, any occasion that is reported, he openly speaks to them. Okay, <clears throat> any other reasons why would the, the ones who started with key number one, why you started with that key, uh, all agree on this reason? Look at the way Jesus handled the subject. <laughs> but you didn't know that yet. <laughs> so it was really your number two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, very good. Um, who, who started at another key? Um, and which one? Did, did anyone start somewhere else? Yes? In, in the back? Come again? Number three. Compare scripture to scripture. Okay, that's good. And what, which scripture did you draw, scriptures did you draw in? Would you have drawn in? Yes, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. oh, now Michael has another problem. My, my wife doesn't want to wear a hat to church. <laughs> <laughs> you can get yourself in a pickle quite easily here, <laughs> but but uh, the, uh, the 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 way you're where you're going that's helpful. I, I... Mm -hmm. I I it's probably knowing Michael is not the first scripture that I would jump to. <laughs> I like the ones where Jesus the way Jesus handled the conversations with women is much more helpful for Michael because. Uh, and the lady in front of you? Yeah, oh, that's a very good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, very good. Very good. Yeah. And leading without speaking is not going to be easy. So but you need to help Michael along in your reasoning. So, so it's also very important. Um, do you do you also use the expression keep it simple and sweet? We say it differently in our country, but um, kiss, right? Uh, so for Michael, make sure you kiss Michael. 
keep it simple because Michael is. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. So, in other words, to, to take scriptures, um, I, I would prefer, in, in Michael's case, to use as much gospel scripture as I can, because I know he's read at least one of them, um, probably more. Um, and it takes me to, into that first key very easily, because Jesus, if Jesus is the norm, if he's the, the lens that we look through, um, uh, it prevents me from creating the tension that you indicated between. Uh, so... Uh, you also. I think a very good one, <laughs> but Michael could conclude that probably the role of women, according to the Bible, is uh, a role that does not involve speaking, but very valuable anyway. Uh, so the, the, the choice of scripture might be. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So just to, because it was probably inaudible for you in the back the, the, taking the Old Testament the ultimate Old Testament is littered with scripture that describe very uh, prominent roles for women as well as men so you could go there okay then if that would be one to start wh which other one would be helpful to use in this case uh, talking to Michael yeah you like number two Let me let me try to summarize. Um, uh, the, the preference for number two because it emphasizes that it's, that it's not a textbook; it's a storybook, and uh, it creates space to begin to look at. Okay, how do we handle this? I, I in in the way you you say that, I I like the fact that it creates also space for tension in the book. Um, it creates space to also allow uh, for there be, to be a, uh, a tension between one scripture and another without us having to conclude, okay, the whole book is wrong or Paul is wrong. We won't say Jesus is wrong because we start with key number one. So um, <clears throat> one of the smart things I, I would like to do with Michael is to lead him to a place where, okay, Michael, we understand better together. This book has been around for almost... 20 centuries, 19 centuries, and nobody ever came to the conclusion we need to scratch that scripture. Um, so there's, and yet, if you look at even at, at our church, the way we do church, we even have a position paper about it, about the role of women in leadership. Um, how does that relate to that scripture in Paul? So it leads Michael to the, hopefully to the conclusion there must be something else going on there, which will bring uh, us into a place where we can probably begin to uh, discuss with them, okay, maybe there was something going on in that culture, in that situation. Uh, it was a letter to the Corinthians. Something was happening in the Corinthians that led Paul to write this. And f there, I, I would stop there. 
I don't want to bother Michael yet with all that knowledge because that's not where he is right now. He he needs to get the basics the basis covered first. So number four would be very important for me too, for Michael. Okay, learn to act on what you do understand. Now that we discussed this, don't go back home and tell your wife she can't talk in church. <laughs> and tell your feminist sister-in-law she's more than welcome. And she can even lead once she gets to follow Jesus. So, um, because Jesus says so. Because the, that, that's the main message of the Bible. This is an exception, not the main, the core message. Any other uh, keys that you would use, that you would like to use? Number seven, uh, stick to the main and the plain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good one. So how would you tell Michael? Uh-huh. So it's along the lines of look at how Jesus handled the relationship with women. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but one of the things I would um, just make, just to make sure, um, in, in Dutch we have this expression, we take the, there's, there's tradition, some tradition that takes the Bible literal from first to last page. That's not where we are. We're also not in a place where we say, okay, some of it is the word of God. All of it we take serious as God's word to, to us. So I would want Michael to understand that and not for him to interpret that at some point where we say, okay, uh, let's, uh, there's some open questions that it begins to feel like, okay, Paul is just Paul. You, know, you could also take it from this place. Paul was wrong sometimes too. I... Um, I would not. I would not say that because through the the, the collective prayer and wisdom that, that God gave us as a church over the centuries, um, we have found reason to leave that scripture there because we feel Paul is not wrong. There's a reason, and if we find that scripture difficult to understand in our context, in our situation, and as we compare it with the rest of scripture, we need to to dig into it, to research, which has been done over the centuries. And there's a lot that we know now about the, the context that Paul gave that scripture in. It's just that Michael isn't ready for that yet. So for Michael to trust, okay, um, it's not just us here and now as a church, it's 19 centuries of church that lived by this book. Um, and the, the scripture is still there even though other scriptures and books are not in, that, in, the, in the Bible, um, that might give you confidence to take that word seriously, even though you don't understand the scripture yet. So that's also a value I want to communicate to Michael through the key number two and key number five. Yes? I'm just wondering if Michael would come up with something about being baptized as a girl. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you all hear the question? I, I wonder if that might give us a challenge if Michael would come up with that scripture where Paul refers to some that have themselves baptized for the dead. I don't know if you, <laughs> you didn't know that was in the scriptures, right? <laughs> it's not that Paul says that you should. 
It's just that he's referring to some that do. And the challenging part of that scripture is that he does not condemn it at that place. He just mentions it and says, why else, if there was no life after death, would some have themselves baptized for the dead? Um, again, how would you approach that? What would you tell Michael? Very good, yeah, very good. And it, it would be a very good uh, bridge to asking Michael the all-important question about baptism. <laughs> what does Scripture say about baptism, Michael? And have you been baptized? If Jesus, your Lord, was baptized, how about you? Uh, whoever, uh, uh, what's the Scripture in English? If you have faith and are baptized, you will be saved. Jesus' words, literally. Um, so... <clears throat> You can you can handle those scriptures. Michael will then maybe at some point ask, okay, but what about these people? What was that? And then it's very important to help Michael understand, okay, the argument Paul is making there is not about baptism for the dead. It's about life after life, uh, eternal life. Uh, and so he's just using uh, something, and he's just not going into the subject any any further at that point. So it's a, it's a it's a challenge to to make him smart to help him. Uh, grow up. Any other uh, good points about keys? Yes. Key six, the sort of fruit. You know, you could talk about not allowing women to speak would be a fruit of oppression potentially. Allowing people to speak would create, you know, the fruit of the whole body of Christ working together. So that yeah. might be a way. Of yeah, might be might be a helpful one. It <coughs> it it could ruin uh, key number six if the woman speaking <laughs> does not speak well which could apply to men just as well, but, you know. But true, um, in, especially in our culture, um, that could be a way, a way to, to help Michael to, to see. Look, this, the Bible is not a book of oppression. Look at it. Well, <laughs> well, I told him that we disregard what? Well, we don't. Uh, no, no, we don't. We just, <clears throat> basically, we, we began to lead Michael into understanding, okay, look at what Jesus did, look at the rest of the context of Scripture, which m may mean that Paul wrote this because of a specific situation in that uh, church. So that's not disregarding it, it just needs another... Uh, exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and there, there, yes, Michael will come back with other things that we don't practice, and then it's a good question, why? Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a good time to close off. I think. I hope this is helpful. Please feel free to add. And may the Lord add many, many, many more Michaels and Michelles to your church.